allow their feelings. They allow their emotions. Watch this church. I'm trying to help you. They allow their experiences, their past experiences, to dictate their actions. And thus they often end up doing the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong way. Community Church, and I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're going to jump right back into sort of a follow-up of the series we've had on here for the last couple of weeks. This particular teaching is entitled, Kirby Bumpy Straight. How you like that for a sermon title? We're going to pick up with Proverbs chapter 3 as our text passes, chapter 3, verse 6, and continue on with that. But uh, for tonight, I also want to bounce off of another pa passage of Scripture from James. There's a reason why we've titled this message, Bumpy Curvy Straight. And we talked last week about God straightening our paths. There's a reason why God has to straighten our paths, and that's what we're going to deal with in this particular portion of the teaching. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to James, the little book of James, follows Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 2, 3, and 12 in your hearing, and the record puts it this way. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, a lot of trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Go down with me to verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. What a great passage. I trust the Lord would add his blessings to his eternal word. Let me pray for you. We're going to jump right into this teaching. Father, we thank you so much for uh, every member of this audience, whether they're listening live or later, I pray in Jesus' name that by your word you would speak to our hearts, encourage our hearts. Lord, convict our hearts to come in line with your way of thinking. And we'll praise you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, you be blessed. I'll be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. sharing with you a thought that we've titled Bumpy, Curvy, Straight. Bumpy, Curvy, Straight. Now, technically, this is not part two of last week's teaching, but more specifically, a follow-up to it, or a sequel, if you please. Now, I began my conclusion last week that sounds somewhat like a tongue twister. I began my conclusion last week with this statement, and I quote, Do the do's, and God will make your path straight. And I ask, 
What in the world does that mean? You remember me saying and asking that? And I said to you, that means the paths won't be hilly. They won't be curvy. They won't be bumpy. They won't be rough. They'll be straight. And then I said something like this. You'll see where you're supposed to go, and it'll be smooth sailing, as we are wont to say. And then, now watch, because if you miss this, you're going to just kind of miss it. But I added something very important right there last week, and that's what I want to jump into and jump off with this morning. Now, I know that some of you picked up on this last week because I had some conversations accordingly. I said to you, quote, there will be smooth sailing, listen, aside from trials and tribulations and temptations. Then I said, that's a whole nother sermon, but I trust you understand that within the context of what we were preaching last week, end quote. Now, what I'm about to get engaged in or involved in is that other sermon. I said, that's a whole nother sermon. Well, here it is, the other sermon, the sequel. So with that, let me point something out to you. And I wanted to read verse 6. By the way, we're not going to read a ton of Scripture today like we did last week. We had you play and ring around the Bible last week, and we're going to look at some Scripture. That's what we do here. But uh, our text passage, I guess you could technically say it's still Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. But I want to call your attention back to verse 6, the latter part of the verse. It says this, He will make, everybody say make, He will make your paths Straight, the old version, the old King James version, I memorized that with so many years ago, says he will direct your path. Now watch, in the original version, the Greek, that's not a bad translation at all. He will make your path straight. He will direct your paths. The contemporary English version says it like this, and he will clear the road for you to follow. Are you with me? He will clear the road for you to follow. The amplified version chimes in, removing obstacles that block your way. Now fill in number one with me on your study notes. Beloved, there is a reason. Reason goes in the blank. Will you say it right out loud as you write it down there? Reason. There is a reason why God has to make our paths straight. There is a reason why God has to remove the obstacles that block our way because initially for very determined reasons there will be obstacles. What? Pastor, you had me convinced last week nearly that there wouldn't be any more of that. Listen to me. We constantly, when I say we, I'm talking about the born-again, spirit-filled followers of Jesus Christ. We constantly encounter the bumps. We constantly encounter the potholes. We constantly encounter the curves, if you please, the hills and the valleys. That is, watch this, that's just a kind of a unique way of saying strategic impediments allowed by God. Who allows these? In the life of the believer, allowed by God. 
purposed to strengthen us. Those things are, for a lack of a better way of saying it, those things are testings or ways, a means of us proving just exactly who we are in Christ. Certainly those tests are quite often, and this is the point, quite often they are co-opted by Satan to attempt to defeat and stymie our progress. Now from Satan's perspective, these things are not meant to be a testing and a proving, but rather with him it is intended to be a temptation and a distraction. Are you with me so far? Those two points are just, they will the polar opposite of one another. So, I told you all of that to tell you this. God is in the business. How many of you know God has a business? God is in business. God has a business. In fact, he doesn't need us to create one for him. He has a business. He, uh, Mr. Blackaby reminded us years ago in, in a, a particular book, we studied that here. Uh, one of the uh, tenets of that book was that God is always at work around us. He's always at work around us. It's our responsibility to, to look and see what he's doing, figure out what he's doing, and get in on it. And that's part of what we're talking about. God, beloved, is in the business, the business of straightening out all of these curves, hills, potholes, flattening the hills, filling in the valleys, repairing the potholes, or providing us wisdom to, uh, as a, a Barry Beecher told me one time, to canoeuvre around those potholes, clearing the road, removing the obstacles. Now, I felt like I needed to be crystal clear to you. I really feel like that's the underlying theme of this particular teaching this morning. I wanted to be clear to you that I was not teaching you last week that if you just come to Jesus, all of you come to Jesus, uh, you will never uh, have any more uh, bumps or curves or hills. Uh, I was not teaching you that last week. Sometimes I go a little Baptist on you. Sorry about that. Greg Hodges would be proud of me, wouldn't he? I'm, I'm kidding. My old buddy Greg. Listen, I didn't want you to think that you come to Jesus and life's just going to be a bowl of cherries and no more of that because you certainly will encounter those things. Now, I'm not putting this on the screen. I didn't even put it on your study notes because I wanted you to. Would you jot down James? You can abbreviate that J-A, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 and verse 12. Go back and read James chapter 1 on your own time and he will highlight some of what I'm saying to you now. Beloved, all of this takes us back to the very premise of the preceding teaching. When we inevitably encounter a bump, a pothole, a curve, a hill, or a valley along life's journey, our Christian walk, regardless regardless if it is connected to a financial dilemma, we fleshed that out last week, or the death of a loved one, we flesh that out, or all of those other things in between. Regardless, when we encounter those, how do we react? React. How do we confront such events? How do we deal with such as a member of the forever family of God? By the way, let me say this to you. This is just... Uh, Case in point, uh, 
Wednesday, I'd worked all day Wednesday. I was so excited about Wednesday. I was going to sit in with the youth Wednesday night. Helen was going to be here and sit in with the youth. Denise was going to help us out some. Denise Hatcher, or uh, Handy, was going to help us out. It may have been Denise Hatcher too, but it's going to help us out with the youth. And I was just all happy about that. And about uh, 310, the power went out here. The electricity, I should say. The power didn't go out here. But the electricity did. So I do what we do. I call, contacted the elders. What do we do? We're going to wait till 5 o'clock. If it isn't back on by 5, we probably need to let everybody know. So at 5, I sent out a phone tree. You never got that phone tree, did you? Don't know where it went. It's out there in cyberspace somewhere. You may get it this Tuesday. So I hear from my lovely pastoral assistant, Sister D. You need to send out a phone tree! I did, precious. It just didn't go out. So I sent out the one. She was just like that, by the way. Just, just like I'm kidding. So I sent out the one that, uh, that you did receive. And seven minutes later, the power, the electricity come back on. But it was too late then. Hey, listen, that to me, I'm just trying to help you understand something. That was a major pothole to me it was a curve it was a hill it was some rough road now how many of you know I enjoy coming to church do you know some people that look for excuses not to come I'm not that guy I like I like being with y'all this is like Christmas every day to me it is all the aunts and uncles here and every now and then we eat this is wonderful what could be better than this Singing to my heavenly Father and just sense it—it's wonderful. And Wednesday night is no exception. If you haven't tried that yet, I would encourage you to try that. I told y'all that to tell you this. Here's a great question. It's number two on your study notes. What's the first reaction we put forth when a curve, or a bump, or a hill, or whatever comes before us on our journey to heaven? I just told you on Wednesday night I was bummed. That was my first reaction. In fact, I was bummed plumb until about lunch on Friday. Sometimes it takes me a while to get over my bummedness. In fact, and this is going to help somebody. I'm waxing very transparent with you this morning. Very honestly, at first, when the unanticipated, unexpected unfolds, something we've not planned for, the natural reaction is one of shock and awe. I can't believe that just happened. In fact, I think that come out of my mouth as I was pecking on my computer at 310 Wednesday afternoon. And the computer flickered, and I'm like, rut row. And then when I'm like, I cannot believe that this just happened. Now, such things, and you can fill in the blank with your experiences. Such things result 99.9% .9 of the time in our emotions being awakened. Have you ever had your emotions awakened? If you get a chance sometime, poke Pastor Harley or, or now regular Harley. Just poke regular Harley. And you, you'll get a living illustration of what I'm talking about. Don't poke Reva because Harley will beat you up. But 
Your emotions are awakened and agitated. And sometimes that ranges from disappointment to outright disillusionment on the light side to on the heavier side, perhaps hurt or even anger. Now listen to me real close. I'm going to touch this and we're going to move right along. Uh, Our manifestations of these emotions typically depend on our personality, our individual personality, and our temperament. Volumes have been written about that by some very well-educated, spirit-led persons. And I would encourage you to read uh, some of those accountings and to know and understand what it means when you say your temperament and your personality. I read many of those books years ago, and it helped me a lot personally, and it could help you also, but that's all I'm going to say about that. When those emotions are aroused or agitated, you know, we can think or we can say before that happens, I'm not going to let things like the electricity going out or this curve, this hill, this valley, I'm not going to let things like that. I can't believe that, did, that that just happened. I'm not going to let things like that bother me. It's easy to say that, isn't it? But then, number three on your study notes, when one of those emotions, I think that's the way I put it, when an emotion pops up, natural emotion pops up, our natural self, naturally, notice how that's spelled. I just invented that word. I want you to catch this. Our natural self, naturally, comes to the rescue. Isn't that true? Something happens, these emotions just do their thing initially, unless, everybody say unless. Will you underline unless on your study notes? Now, I'm reaching back to last week's message just a little bit. And isn't it true, beloved, when that happens, something unexpected and we just react with our our emotions, isn't that totally leaning on our own understanding? Reacting by the flesh, in the flesh, what we've always known? Yes, it is. You know, one of the things that people do is they allow their feelings, look at your neighbor and say feelings. Go on sing to them, feelings, whoa, 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 feelings. People allow their feelings, they allow their emotions. Watch this church, I'm trying to help you. They allow their experiences, their past experiences to dictate their actions. And thus they often end up doing the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong way. Perhaps you've heard the story of, I've heard it a couple different ways. The one I like best was these two guys. Two, they've been friends all just forever, and every year they took a, went on a hunting trip expedition up into Alaska. Chartered one of these little planes. They flew into a remote location. They went moose hunting. This particular year, they followed suit. Chartered the plane. Chartered the plane. Flew in. The pilot uh, dropped him off at the dock, one of those deals that lands in a little late. Dropped him off at the dock. He said, "Guys, he said, I'll be back in ten days, right here at such and such a time." He said, be reminded, this is a one moose plane. 
So you only have one moose to get so we can get out of here. Okay. Ten days later, sure enough, the guy swoops in just, just exactly, and these guys have their gear out on the dock as well as two moose. Two moose. So the pilot rolls up to the dock and he says, Guys, it's good, good to see you, but uh, I see we have a problem here. Remember, one of the last things I told you was, this is a one moose plane. And you've got two moose. And these guys say, oh, what? said, well, we knocked down two and we've drug them here. We hated to leave one just laying in the woods and said, and, and if it's a matter of money, we can pay you more. He said, it's not about the money. It's a safety issue. The, the plane won't come up out of water with those two moose. And they said, well, one of the guys got to thinking, got pretty smart. He said, you, you know your friend Joe that flies, has a plane just like yours? He flew us out of here last year with two moose. And he said, uh, he, he did, did he? You know how men are. <laughs> said, yes, he did. And he said, those moose are a lot bigger than these little two scrawny moose. He said, well, if Joe did it, then I believe I can do it. He said, load them up, boys. So they did. Put their, their mises in there and all their gear. And he went down then. He tatched back. Boogity, 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 boogity. The plane got about that far, those little pontoon things, about that far off the water. He never did climb, run into some brush down on the other end of the lake, and it's okay. They all survived. But it knocked the pilot out. And finally, one of the guys got him roused up. And he said, what? what happened? What's going on? Where are we? And the guy said, well, I'm not real sure where we are, but I think think we're about a quarter of a mile further down the road than we were last year when we flew with Joe. <laughs> There's a moral to that story. How, do you know what the definition of insanity is? Continuing to do the same thing and expecting different results? Well, that's these two moose hunters. What happened? They were leaning on their past experiences instead of and wanting their own way instead of trusting somebody that had a little more expertise in this particular or on this particular issue. Now listen, we do that all the time. That's kind of a, a ridiculous story, but don't we do that all the time? And beloved, knowing this, knowing these things, doesn't it just make sense that while we are all in a calm, cool, collected situation, doesn't it just make sense that we should purpose that we are going to put into effect in our lives, not just the same old thing that gets us in trouble time after time after time, but doesn't it make sense to purpose to put into effect a better way? What better way are you talking about, Pastor Terry? God's way. Doesn't that just make sense? God's way. I said earlier, the natural self naturally comes to the rescue unless. Here's the un unless. The unless is doing it God's way. Doing it God's way. How? Pastor Terry, what does that look like? Let me move along. Beloved, when you're confronted with a bump, with a pothole, with a curve, a hill, or a valley, regardless of the nature of it. And again, go back and listen to last week. We fleshed out a lot of those different issues. Here's what you do. Now, hear me out. I'm going to stretch this out just a little bit, and I hope, hope you'll uh, glean some help from this. Here's what you do. As soon as you can, and this is number something on your study notes. 
Number four, as soon as you can, and I am telling you, for certain personalities, type A, whether male, female, young or old, this soon as you can quite often takes a little bit of time. Different time for different personalities. Different times for different temperaments. Different times for different levels of maturity. Having said that, as soon as you can, take a deep spiritual breath. Do you understand a deep spiritual breath? It looks a little bit like this. Right in the middle of a bump, hill, valley, curve. You just go... A deep spiritual breath. Now, I'm talking to some folks. It takes you a while to get to that point. Am I right? Oh, yeah. It's a lot easier to, to run around like a chicken with your head cut off, flopping your arms and little veins sticking out on your neck and all kinds of things as opposed to stopping and taking that deep spiritual breath. Listen to me. That deep spiritual breath is the preparatory step for a season of prayer. Someone said... Beloved, we're going to cut in right there. We'll try to wrap it up with the back half of this teaching next week. But for tonight, or for this particular session, let me say this. When you encounter a bump, a curve, some kind of craziness in your life... How do you react? Most of us kind of react. That's the, uh, that's the issue. But can you be encouraged to develop the spiritual discipline of just kind of taking a step back and taking a deep spiritual breath, which is our first step toward prayer? How do we handle the issues of life? We handle them prayerfully. And sometimes we approach that just kind of pulling our hair out. Isn't that true? We don't know what to do. So we step back, take a deep breath, and go to the Lord in prayer to see how we should handle that. Now, this kind of prayer, listen to me, this is this kind of prayer, we don't do not just use our mouth, but we use our spiritual ears. We pause and we listen. Not just telling God what we want or what we want Him to do, but it's actually a cry for help. And then listening as He responds to indicate to us the path that we should choose, how we should react, where we should go, what we should do what we should say or not say in the particular situation. I trust you'll be encouraged with these words. It's a spiritual discipline. It takes practice. It takes experience. It takes wisdom. But the first step in any journey is just exactly that, the first step. So I trust you'll be encouraged to take that step. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each and every one listening into the telecast by whatever means, and I pray that by your word you would convict us of our uh, in our life the way we should go, the way we should act and react and respond to you. Help us to learn to pray first before we get into the middle of situations and to listen to that still small voice. I pray, I ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, before I get out of here tonight, let me remind you that New Life Community Church does have a regular schedule of activities, and it's still very, very important that we come together as the body of Christ, that we do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, 
as God teaches us through His Word in His Word. We meet at Sunday or meet on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We also have midweek activities Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock, something for nearly every member of the family. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church, wishing you a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you?